we're sitting there in the hot tub. One of the one of the girls said, "Hey, my son is a big fan of yours." Mm. I was like, "Man, that's nice." Tell him I said, "Hey, uh, we had a, we had a very brief but nice interaction. Great people." One of their crew, uh, this fella comes wandering up, and he figures out who I am in the moment. Walks right up to me and goes. First thing he says, only thing he says, Jimmy Johnson won a lot more races than you, didn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that is hilarious. What do you think? Did he get up? Am I hung over? (laughs) Nah, a little slightly. We don't know what we're doing. Are you kidding me, Mike? Hey, everybody, it's Dale Jr. Welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It is Tuesday, March the 21st. 23rd. Is it 23rd? Oh, it's 21st. Sorry, Dale. Sorry, I just saw this. I'm sorry. Let's do it no, again. we're leaving that. No! Sorry, Mike. Right out of the gate. Sorry. So, um, in the Bojangle studio here with Mike Davis and... Um, I'm trying to get my bearings, man. I am strung out. Are you hungover? Wore out. Are you hungover? No, I'm not hungover. Do you need a hangover beer? No, I don't need a hangover beer. You've already had a hangover yeah. beer. <laughs> um, I what, had, what, what, wow. What, why are well, you, you know, out? last week we last week we were on uh, a trip to Texas and we recorded via Zoom. Yeah. Right. And right. then is you are you okay? I'm looking at you and you got look like one eye is smaller than the other. Really? Yeah. Is your left eye giving you any weird vibes? No, I think I see fine. Okay. But then again, there's two of you. <laughs> which one do you want me to talk to? What's which one of the, which one is the real you? <laughs> so 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 right? Wait, my eye is smaller than the other one? It's squished or uh squint? Squinted. Which or, one? This one? This the left one. one. You're squinting with the left one open wide open with the right one. So anyways, last week I got pink eye. You hear me? And that's why I'm thinking about this, because when I got pink eye on my left eye... Um, that's what happened? Yeah, it, looks, it gets squint, squints. Man, Man, it was... If I looked like what you looked like last week when you had pink eye, yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I need to go to the doctor. Yeah, I was hesitant to uh, tell anyone publicly like this that I had pink eye, because when I told a couple of the people out of the gate, friends, you know, people in your inner circle, they're, they're like, who, who farted in your face? Because apparently that's mm. one way you get it, or maybe I'm. Uh, that is maybe it's asinine. Not, yeah, nobody well, that, has ever said. And I thought, well, damn, one's face gives you pink eye. <laughs> well, I I don't want to go talk about this then if that's the response I'm going to get from everyone who farted in your face. So I got a real real bad case of pink eye. Y'all piss on each other in your family so much. Stop I guess it! Y'all fart on so each other too. I went to the doctor. So my eye was bothering me a little bit, and I kind of had a pretty good understanding of what it was. I'd had pink eye back in the seventh grade. My eye was welded shut in the morning, you know, all all mm. glued together. Mm. And so um, I go, and I it, I am it is freaking uncomfortable. It ain't itching. It ain't. And I was supposed to put my drops in this morning to think about it, and I didn't do it. You but, still got it? Well, no, but they want you to keep doing using the drops to make sure all the infections gone because apparently it can come back. And so, uh, but I forgot this morning, damn it. Oh, and I know why. I'll tell you that in a minute. But anyways, this, uh, follow me here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rambling. Okay. I go in there and, uh, he's like, oh, this is, he got, he said like three long weird words 
uh, and I went, well, what is is that pink eye? And he goes, yeah, it's a, it's the it's a form of it. It's the it's the worst mm. type you can have. And what would uh, it didn't itch or anything, but the the crust and and goo and stuff that dries up in your eyelashes would get back in your eye. And man, it felt like you were walking around with a sliver of plastic debris in your eye all day. Mm. You're blinking constantly trying to get it to go away, you know? Like anytime you get anything in your eye, like an eyelash or something or some dirt. And it's like it never goes, it's ne- it never leaves your eye. All freaking day, I was miserable. I, I promise you, man, it was something you don't want to mess with. Right. And he says to the lady, he goes, hey, uh, how many cases of pink eye? Have, we're sitting in the office with uh, his assistant, and he, he turns to her and goes, how many cases of pink eye have we had here lately? And she goes, a ton. And so I I got pink eye, went on this trip. Our receptionist here at Junior Motorsports at the front desk got pink eye same week. The guy that cleans out my fish tank at the house, he ends up getting pink eye. So, like, I mean, I haven't heard of pink eye or seen anybody that's gotten it since I had it in the seventh grade. Like, it's not a common thing, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it, everybody has it. Yeah, the doctor's like, man, there's been a big rash of pink eye going around. It's just the strangest thing. I don't know, odd. But anyways, I go, um, are you looking to try? Yeah. yeah. I don't see anything problem. I you don't look squinty. Fine. Yeah, you should be fine. Other than my natural squint. Yeah. I'm self-conscious about this now. So far, so good, though. I feel good. I, um, I end up going on this trip with Amy's family to Texas all last week with their girls and uh, a bunch of us stayed in this house in this community. And this house, this community, so you're driving down the, we're in the coast of, of Texas, coastline of Texas, and you're driving down the road, and there's nothing. There's no development or no homes or anything, and then there'll be a, like a purpose-built neighborhood right on the side of the beach, right? Right on the side of the road. It's like the Truman Show. Okay. And all the houses are really, really close together. And as soon as you pull in there, it's like golf carts everywhere, families all over the place, you know, pool, you know, beach toys and every, just music playing. And it's like this. That little, does feel like a true. Yes. What a great it was analogy. like this little bubble yeah. of, of calamity and, and beach goers, right? And so that was fun. We spent four or five days there, went out on the beach and, and hung out with our kids and watched them play. Um, and, uh, I had to do the zoom mm-hmm. for the show here, which, um, you know, isn't favorable, but it's what I didn't want to not do the show. Right. So we did the show. Uh, I did come home and do the Thursday episode yeah. here in the studio. Yeah. And then we left to go on another trip without the kids. So we had, you ever heard of the vacation from a vacation? Oh Yeah. I know. We, every parent knows what you're talking about, we, for sure. We tried it. Oh, amazing. Was yeah, it amazing? Yeah, it was pretty good. Where'd you go? Um, we went to a place called the Bungalows in Key Largo. Bungalows in the Key Largo. The Bungalows gotcha. in Key Largo. It's been around for about four years. I'd never been there before. It's an all-inclusive. There's not any of those, really, in the United States. As far as, you know, if you go all-inclusive, you got to go, you got to take a passport, you know, you got to, you're going to go to the Bahamas or somewhere, you're going to go down to Mexico or, or whatever, right? Um, it's really unique. Uh, I'm sure there are some all-inclusive resorts in, in, the, in this country, but it's really unique in the fact that a lot of, you know, it, it's rare in that area, especially down in Key West. And it was amazing. 
And so, I mean, the place is clean, beautiful, amazing staff. Uh, rooms are these little, they are bungalows, exactly what they sound like. They're small, but um, everything you need. A couple of restaurants on property, a tiki bar, big pool, big hot tub, all the, a, a lot of, you know, you're right on the water looking out into this bay, boats out there floating. Mm. It's perfect. Yeah. They had the little tiki boat that you rent. You can rent it for an hour. There's two of them. And you just give them, you know, uh, time that you want to take it out. And they'll take you around the bay for an hour, grab your cooler, and just cruise around on this little tiki pontoon type thing. We did that. Um, We left and went and ate. There's a place in Key Largo called the Fish House, the Fish House, Mm. that we used to always drive down from Homestead and eat at. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yep. That's right. We went in there and ate, so I got to take Amy and them. It's very um, authentic. Yeah, you know? it's a great place. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right off the highway there. Uh, uh, yeah, the, I remember team dinners there a lot of yes, times. Yes, yes, yes. 88 team. That's right. And so um, we had a great time. Uh, but the vacation from the vacation, I I can't do – I'm I'm not good at the long long trips anymore. When I was in my 20s and my 30s, I could do a trip with Amy or my buddies or whatever, and I wanted it to go as long as it could go. I was going to take every – from the minute I didn't have to work till I had to go back to work. If that was a week, if it was two weeks, I was on the throttle. Wire to wire. Yep. I can't do it anymore. I think, you know, two nights is mm. enough for me. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, the Texas trip was fun, um, but I – and I and I I think the Texas trip was fun. The 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 vacation from the vacation was fun in Key Largo. But it's really how it disconnects me from everything else got 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 going on in my life. So it I feel like I have a million balls in the air juggling constantly all year long, right? And we say yes to everything. We buy the cars tour. We are doing this. We're going to go over here and do this. NASCAR wants us to do this 75th anniversary commercial. We're going to do this today. We're going to, we got a Zoom call tomorrow. We got, there's a million things going on. And when you step out of that treadmill, you know, and when you get off that thing, it's hard to get back on it. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. It's mean? hard to come back from any vacation. Yes. Yes. And so that's, that's, um, that's more and more difficult. As much as you want to be home, sometimes I, I'm I'm tracking with everything you're saying here. Sometimes you just want to be back in your own bed. Yeah, but but coming back to work sometimes is really rough. Yeah, coming back to work and trying to pick up where, where you, you left, left off, off and not feel and like you're everybody that didn't go on vacations still humming along, right? Yeah, and they're and they're in step. This is right. This and is you're me like and you last night. I'm texting you. I'm like, hey, let's talk about the show. And you're like, I just want to go to bed. I did. He and, called and, me, and, and I'm like, all right, well, call me, man. I ain't gonna call. We're he gonna was call. Like, Come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was the, was that snarky? A little. Was it? I was gassed, man. I every night when we put the kids to bed, Amy's like, I'm so glad to go to. I can't wait to go to sleep. I'm like, no, man. This is my hour, two hours to do whatever I want. Not last night, man. I climbed in bed, like I'm done. That's good. And I slept hard all the way to 8.30 this morning, and I aim, I have to be out the door at 8.33, 8, 8.40 at the latest to mm. get the girls to school. Amy comes up there and goes, hey, man, I've been hollering. You're late. It's 
So I had to jump out, Hold out of up. bed. I just had a pangs of nostalgia from back in yeah. the days. Boy, I tell you, I just, it just hit me all at once. Yeah. Hey, we're late. Get up. Yeah. Why are you not awake? Come on. Get dressed. Let's go. I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to, I was, Practiced I got up at 8.30 and I showered, brushed my teeth, put on my clothes, came downstairs and got Isla her bag, grabbed a, a fig bar and, and a drink and was in the car at 8.37. God dang, track record. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> oh yeah. How about this? So that's a, that's a seven minute qualifying lap right there. That is yeah. pretty impressive. From from bed to car, with with shower and breakfast in between. That's seven minutes. That's yeah. impressive. So, remember <laughs> the guy on the street uh, that was told on the street that cut us off a couple weeks ago? Oh, that you talked about. Yeah, you yeah. were real pissed off about All that. Right. Yeah. Uh oh. So none, ran into another. Oh, on my trip. Maybe it's you. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> This is uh, so the DBC boys, they got their idiot of the week, right? This yeah. is going to be my idiot of the week. I want to hear it. <clears throat> so, we're on our last day of our trip in Key Largo in all inclusive bungalows. <laughs> Everybody that we've met there is having a great time. They're all, they all invested in this all inclusive mm-hmm. vacation. Everybody there is trying to enjoy everything that comes with that. Right. And when you do the when you if when you do an all inclusive trip, typically you rarely leave the resort. So you see the same people at dinner, you see the same people at breakfast. And there's a understanding, man, that you all gotta get along because your ass is gonna be around each other when you go to the bar later that night, when you go to dinner. Everybody has to keep it together, man. Don't start no shit. Right. Right. And so it's an island. Yeah. <laughs> we're sitting there in the hot tub. And uh, it's a, kind of a large hot tub so that multiple, multiple people can get in. We're down on one end of it, uh, me and Amy and another couple. And uh, this, uh, we, this other group was in the hot tub, a couple guys and some girls that were in there when we walked up. And one of the, one of the girls said, hey, my son is a big fan of yours. Mm. I was like, man, that's nice to tell him. I said, hey... Uh, we had, a, we had a very brief but nice interaction. Great people. One of their crew, uh, this fella, comes wandering up, uh, and he, he's been over at the Tiki Bar. And they're like, where have you been? He's like, I've been over here meeting all kinds of people. And he figures out who I am in the moment, walks right up to me and goes, first thing he says, only thing he says, Jimmy Johnson won a lot more races than you, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is hilarious <laughs> oh my god i mean of all things to say <laughs> oh my god that is my that is the funniest thing ever what did you say back i said he's a seven-time champion <laughs> right <laughs> he, he won more races than just about everybody yes <laughs> And that was it. Yeah. And then he left? He just walked on away. Did it ruin your day? It 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 stuck in you. It kind of was like that thing in your eye, right? A little annoyance. I just was thinking of all... I mean, I was just thinking like, man, what what brings... What makes you want to do that? Rum. Rum. Okay, there you go. 
He came from the bar. Yeah, that's why I don't drink. Feeling good. Yeah, I don't drink no rum. I mean, of all the things you could have said in that moment, what if you saw somebody? I mean, you know, you see a celebrity somewhere, somebody of any kind of recognition sitting somewhere. Right. You're gonna go. I'm gonna go f- with this guy. Right, right. Like if you see, uh, if you see Tom Hanks, and you're like, mailman sucked. Yeah. That, was that a movie of his? I don't think Something so. about mail. All right, yeah. Well, see, then he would have been like, yeah, I don't know what you're we talking kinda, about, asshole. Yeah. All right. He would have had if a better did, comeback than, than I did. It, 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 that, is, that is weird to throw you off, man. See, that's the thing. Yeah. You're, you're decompressed. You're enjoying your life. You're in a hot tub. You're hanging yeah. out with friends, and all of a sudden somebody comes and steps yeah. at you. Yeah, he, it, you know, I was sitting there thinking, this is exactly one of those moments where something wrong, if I say something, if I say what I oh. want to say, it's going to escalate. And they'll end up on TMZ. And then, you know, then and everybody in this place is going to hear. I mean, it's going to take seconds for it to sort of travel around. Oh, and, yeah. And, It'll and get off everybody out. in the place will know they have their own version of whatever it is that happened. Oh, dear, oh Jenner's mad at this guy. Oh, I mean, listen, if you would have even come back at him with even a little bit of animosity, then some, the, the, fel, the cell phone cameras would have come out and just yeah. started capturing everything. They, he had, he, they might have already been out at that moment. I wasn't, yeah. really, liked, I wasn't really looking around. Well, you uh, <laughs> diffused it is what you're saying. You just said whatever. And That's then, a good point, it, man. Could have been, could have, they could have oh, already had a cell phone out. I don't know. Might have. Yeah. yeah. I would have. <laughs> Waiting on my response. <laughs> I would have. Yeah. Content, man. Man, I was, I, I was just, you know, that so rarely happens that it was like, hmm. Okay. I knew. I, I know the friends you were with. Yeah. What did they, did they laugh? No, not really. They, everybody was kind of like, what, what the hell was that? You know, why would you do that? that was Boy, you know what? Did Amy show restraint? Because even Amy, she would come off uh, saying, you know, at least getting her word yeah, in. I think Amy did. Yeah. Everybody was cool. Mm, gosh. Jimmy Johnson had more wins yeah. than you. Yeah, he got me. He well, got you. He, yep. he got me on You that know one. when you've been got. Yep. You've been got. That was that was clever. <laughs> Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Anyways, we had... we got back from the vacation yesterday. We are back into the treadmill, and we got a lot to talk about. Denny Hamlin has decided to appeal his penalty. Mm, yeah. uh, he went on his show yesterday. What was his? I haven't listened to it. What is? What did? It, what was his whole thing? His whole thing yesterday on Actions Detrimental was simply just explaining why he decided to go from mm-hmm. not appealing, which he tweeted last week. To yeah. deciding to appeal, and he, he just explained the, the conversation with Coach Gibbs yeah. and, and the race team and what led to that. I don't know how I don't feel a whole lot of confidence in that him in winning him, the appeal, in, in, in him uh, you know changing it whatsoever. 
Um, I would fight it too. I mean, I I feel like is the I would fight it too because I feel like whether he's got he's got a case or not, the points are so important. He has to try to get some of those points back. Mm. And so, if you can get the points back, even if you pay more fine, like um, Byron did last year, where his his uh, he had the same penalty as Denny, and, and his got shifted away from points to more money. I think I'd be trying to make that happen. But I don't feel like – I think I just don't feel like Denny has a ton of uh, leverage here. I don't, maybe he doesn't have a ton of leverage, but he does have a lot of he's, facts and data that oh, he yeah. feels – and listen, he's not appealing this just to go through the motions and appeal and try to get points back. He thinks – he will win. He believes he, thinks that, he believes in his case. 100%. He believes in his case. Yeah. And to be honest with you, seeing some of the things that I've seen since all then, I, I think he does have a case. And I'm, I think that there's a lot more writing on this appeals than just what, what, what we think. Just, uh, oh, let's just try to get some points yeah. back. I think that this is a pretty big deal. Another thing that I thought was fascinating is, um, so HMS uh, and colleague are appealing their penalties. Yeah. We had our own take on all of that last Tuesday and or last Thursday right on our Thursday show right so we had a we after the penalties come out um and the feedback that I was getting immediately from our comments was oh y'all just love HMS you're just an HMS fanboy you used to race for them and you're always going to be in their corner Uh, I think that's fair yeah it's a fair it's true yeah you used to race for HMS but then (laughs) but then um, the uh, the the you know all of the people at HMS checking out and all them went and did some media at Atlanta. Colleague was more started to be more vocal about why they're going to appeal and how the process went down for them. Right, once everybody started hearing all of this information, I saw the tide change a little bit in terms of how people, you know, just the general public's uh, opinion of maybe how this might go, which was kind of interesting to me more interesting you know, maybe more interesting than and the actual appeal itself and whatever whatever happens with that but well explain what do you mean well i think that you know the details in the details of hms and what they think happened and the the you know the issues that they perceive going on with the parts and and the parts being the diff- part supplier yeah, the part yep. supplier and all that colleague coming in and basically backing all of that information up with their own opinions about the part supplier they had one louver taken one was okay right um so i think that this really this i feel more i i would i feel better about their chance to win or change their penalty than than the denny penalty but, but you have more information on their thing i mean again i think that it's all on on how much evidence and how much data yeah. you can you can uh, well you I can guess compile. I, I, yeah, I mean but I'm just saying right now Mike that I think that when the penalty came down from HMS everybody thought yeah well I mean if NASCAR says they touched this you know worked on this little specific area and they're not supposed to they're wrong you know if they did that they're wrong even if they said they could change the part to make it fit the car if they touch this area they're not supposed to touch. There's nothing. I mean, nothing you can do. They got to be penalized. But I think that ever since, I guess, as more information came out and as HMS and and colleague were speaking in the media this weekend, it seems to be sort of splitting public opinion fifty fifty on who's right and who's wrong and what might happen here. I think that's fascinating. Usually, it's all one sided. Like really, I feel like it usually is. Like the team, the public feels like the teams absolutely got busted, 
it's it's it maybe a little more understanding on what exactly the teams are doing or what they did to cheat or that NASCAR's not correct in this decision. They don't, you know, usually it's more one-sided. The last time I thought felt it was all one-sided, it actually ended up going the other way, and that was with William Byron last year. You know, and I thought when he got his penalty, I thought they were dead in the water. Yeah. And then they ended up getting that back and rescinded. So I don't even pretend to know how appeals processes even go. I don't know what goes into it. I don't even know who's actually doing the yeah. the hearing. Mm-hmm. Like, who is it? It's a third party, I'm assuming? Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of this person that's not, not a NASCAR involved person. in it. They might have some history in NASCAR, but it's different. It's a different person. Okay. Well, can, can I just say then for, on the Denny case, listen, I think if you go back and look at the, the reasons NASCAR cited, the words that NASCAR cited as a reason for the penalty, I do think there is a strong argument against it. And one is being that he manipulated a race. And a strong argument can be made on how every decision by every driver and every pit crew and everybody, two tires versus four tires, everything is going to manipulate the outcome of the race if that's how we're going to define it. So if we're going to penalize what manipulating of the race, then it opens up that can of worms to say, well, tell me something that doesn't actually manipulate the race. That's what you're out there to do. You're racing, right? So I think that that's a, that's a slippery slope if you're NASCAR, and I think it can be argued. The other thing is on whether he intentionally wrecked him. Now, listen, Denny said what he said on his podcast. He didn't frame it right, and he might have actually been going, uh, you know, trying to be entertaining because he's, you know, new at the podcasting thing, and so he's like, I let the wheel go, boy. But the data, I don't think, actually supports that. And, and if you go look at it, nobody out there thought that anything egregious happened. And there's analytics. There, there's there's information pumped into them race cars that they can go pull them and see yeah. exactly where that wheel was. And if that doesn't support what Denny said on the podcast, there's an argument to be made that that penalty should not be levied, or at least it should be rescinded in some some point and that's all i'm saying so i think he does have a compelling case yeah he looked at it and he said this on the podcast when he looked at what they were penalizing him for he says i didn't do this stuff i did not do it and he calls coach back and he says coach i didn't do the things that they're saying i did um and then they go well you said it if you say if you say well you did it on, you said it on the podcast well then that's a different that's a different situation. They didn't say they penalized him for comments on a podcast. They said they penalized him for things on the track. If they came back and said, well, you said it on the podcast. Well, that's a dangerous territory too. And that's where I really want to defend Denny because listen, we got to be able to say things on a podcast. Uh, we got to be able to say things and listen, door bumper clear is going to say it. Denny's going to say things and they're not always going to be factually accurate. And we're just going to say, cause we, we go off emotions and feelings. But that's also something that they haven't claimed that they're penalizing for podcast comments. And let the data speak for itself. I think Denny's got a compelling case, frankly. I really do. So, I, and I hope he gets the the points back for sure. I hope he does. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I get a little nervous about his his chances. Can I make NASCAR's counter argument real quick uh, on, on, on one thing that I want to say? Because I like to at least try to get both sides of the argument here. I do think NASCAR feels like they've let drivers. So I, I put out a series of tweets last night that I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to want our content contributors and our drivers and our athletes and our stars to be able to speak their mind without any type of repercussions. And I know NASCAR feels like they let they do that already. And I think it's worth at least acknowledging that. Like they say, the drivers have been saying things for years and they don't get penalties for them and things that, 
you know, there have been times in the past where you've said something and you had a penalty threatened against you, but you didn't actually get penalized for it. And so I do think that there is some give and take in that. I do think NASCAR would probably feels like they're getting they're in a no-win situation because opinion, you know, they're going to get beat up on and they're going to get ridiculed. I think that comes with the territory. You're the governing body. You know, it just comes with the territory. But the fact of the matter is, is that, yes, if they have allowed drivers to speak their minds more often without, penal, uh, without penalty, it should be at least worth acknowledging that. I don't know that to be true. How could I? I'm not in those situations. I'm not in those boardrooms or whatever. But – if that's what NASCAR feels like, it's worth at least saying that for our audience to be able to take into consideration. I, I think that NASCAR probably wishes that podcasts, podcasters like ourselves uh, and other, you know, XM Radio and all that would move on, you know? Well, yeah, that, that's dangerous. That's, well, I'm just saying, like, they, it, this is a storyline happening in the sport. Mm-hmm. Like I said last week, the penalties and whatever happens with all of this will have to be discussed because of how they change the points system going forward. You know, the points battles, right? Every As we get further closer to the playoffs, you know, we're going to have to talk about these have to. penalties and so forth and everything that went down with those because they will probably be part of that storyline in the, in the points system in the playoffs and drivers making it, not making it. Maybe, you know, the HMS driver doesn't make it through to the next round in the playoffs, and we can we can draw, a, you know, a, a bead right to the points that they lost uh, in this penalty if it all holds up. So, um, but anyhow, I um, – well, That's an important point. I, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. They are making sure that the narrative continues yeah. by, with, with the points penalties. Right. If you just find them – or did something else, or maybe you know whatever whatever you do, yeah. then it can go away. But points penalty is going to make sure that you, and especially as a yeah. broadcaster, has to pre- keep bringing it up. But I mean, you know, I, I I like them coming down hard when when it's justified and they somebody's done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I like them to do things that are going to deter this across the board and and frighten the entire garage right from messing around in any gray area. And points are the one thing that that is so precious to these teams. And so for years it was for you know for years it was mostly monetary fines, uh, and points were only done when it was such a severe uh, you know situation. But now points are more common in these fines, and that's because NASCAR knows that that's one thing that the teams uh, are are really not willing to give up. Um, they can figure out, they can find a way to pay that monetary fine. They can oh. figure that out. They can make that work on the book. Well, in Denny's case, he's he's got a $50,000 fine on him, and he's already offering to pay Josh Williams' fine, whatever that is. Yeah. So clearly, to your point, the monetary penalties don't really hit home very well like the points would. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's probably why – If I think that's probably why this conversation around Denny – Colleague HMS will is so big, will continue to be so big, is because of the points involved in those penalties and how that will change uh, the you know the season for those teams moving forward and how we're so captivated whether they will be able to appeal them back. Mm-hmm. Josh Williams parks his car on the front straightaway during the race. Uh, NASCAR told him to park it, so you're running around the racetrack and anything comes off your car, it's in the rule book that if you lose any debris off your car, you got to pull in and park it. 
Um, I didn't know about this rule, but apparently it is in the rule book. Y'all had uh, Josh Williams on Door Bumper Clear yesterday uh, to talk about this. The guys told him he was an idiot uh, and that he's probably going to get parked for a week. I tend to agree with them. Is that a fair assessment of, of, of Andrew? Is that Andrew, a, speaking of, Andrew, you're the – Is that uh, a fair assessment of the Door Bumper Clear uh, opinion on them? Yeah, Brett, Brett uh, made – multiple points of saying yeah you're probably going to be uh watching this race on tv on saturday so yeah yeah. i feel like that that's probably likely and a fair penalty for something like that you know i like josh he's a great guy i used i joke around he's kind of the kenny powers of our of our affinity series and that's total that's a total kenny powers move total kenny powers Um, move and so that's why, I mean, I, I swear the comparisons are, are right there to, to draw. But, um, you you know, it, it, you can't interrupt, delay. Uh, you, can't, you can't interrupt or delay the, 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 the race itself or do anything that, uh, you know, you, you, just, you just can't do that. But, and I think he probably realizes that going forward. Um, so I think what, you know, what – Whatever NASCAR tends to do for her, for this particular penalty, I think it's probably a fair one. Also, the biggest publicity—I st- don't want to call it a publicity stunt because that would have that would suggest that he, you know, orchestrated that uh, premeditated. But the biggest publicity that he could have possibly gotten ever, probably right. I mean, like this thing was on ESPN. This thing was everywhere. Josh Williams has been everywhere since doing that. And I think he's got a lot of fans because of it, too. Yeah. Um, again, I don't envy NASCAR's position. I mean, what are you going to do? The children have run amok here. They're, they, yeah. they, they, like, they've climbed the fence of the playground. They're running out in the streets now. I get it. It's, it's wild, wild, wild. But it's, it was hilarious. I mean, it was hilarious. Do you think that it helps him going forward? Great, big, big, big picture. Does this help? It, it depends on what happens with this penalty, if he gets one. I think that, like, if he's – he said, Dale – on television, like he was about to get interviewed, and they could they, they had this camera and the mic uh, on him in the pit box, and he's like, "What are they going to do? Find me? I can't afford it." And man, that made me really kind of like brace myself because like he right, if you can't afford it, remember what happened to Carl Long when he got that that huge penalty, it was like about hundred thousand dollars or something yeah. like that. That that basically eliminated him from ever driving a car again, yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and so I worry about that for Josh. I you know. I think that's why Denny kind of spoke up and said, I'll help pay his fine. David Reagan tweeted, he'll help pay his fine. Like, everybody's wanting to go support him. Not because they think what he did is right, but just because he's an underdog and he gave us this moment of (laughs) joy or gave us this moment of, uh, you know, entertainment or humor. And you just don't want to see him have to, you know, fall on the sword completely on his own, I guess. Yeah, My reaction to it was kind of similar to Joe Logano's. I think Joe was in the booth and he was – um, it's kind of like, oh, no, 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 don't do right, this. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's a – Josh, don't do this. Josh, don't do this. Because you know that NASCAR's not going to like it. NASCAR's going to – they're forced, forced to react to this. Of course, yeah. Right? They don't want to do things – they don't want to do negative things to Josh Williams. They like his personality and what he brings to the Xfinity Series, but they don't have a choice here. And – Hopefully it's not a monetary fine, and it's a you know he sits out for a week or or a race or two, whatever whatever they deem uh, necessary. But my my whole I don't know that it helps Josh going forward in terms of his career, his future op- opportunities. 
Um, right. You know, that's what I'm looking at. Like he, he's trying to, he's, I, I know Josh is working as hard as anybody in that garage to get the opportunities that he feels would give him a chance to show people what he can do and, and that he belongs in the series and could drive, you know, good race cars to wins. And so does that put him in a better situation to do those things or to get those opportunities? Mm. That's what I worry about. Um, as mad as he was or frustrated or whatever in the moment, you can't sort of hijack the, de- ha- you know, hijack the race there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, fans are going to, Love it because they don't have to worry about the fine There's or no they don't have to right. sit out a week. They think, right. you know, they can sit there and get joy from it and all those things, but they don't have to deal with the repercussions of it that That's Josh right. will have to deal with. Justin Argyre, after the ex- – what was that? I heard something, too. I did, too. Okay. Did you hear it? Still working. Oh, that's what it was. Someone's oh, man, someone's it's Siri. my phone. Siri. Oh. <laughs> How did you – wonder what I said. Um, Justin Algar, in his post-crash interview during the Xfinity race – says that he feels embarrassed for the sport right now. I think he's um, referring to the Atlanta reconfiguration or and the number of cautions in the Xfinity race. Did the Xfinity race have a uh, unique amount of cautions? There were 12 cautions for 68 laps. Yeah. That, that's uh, – and it was – I mean, like – and then he got caught up in that. It was a pretty yeah. big crash yeah. that, you know, again, a junior motorsports yeah. driver was involved in or triggered it. Yep. Well, intentionally, but yeah. still, that was frustrating. Um, our yeah. guys seem to not be able to avoid having some sort of a moment uh, during the race where they 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 get together. And I know that um, many times this year it's not been intentional. It's just hard racing. Uh, if you're going to have four fast cars or four cars that run really similarly, uh, whether that's great or not great. Uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna hit each other from time to time or have to race each other hard from time to time and so we we know that all too well and that's no big deal. Um, but man, seems like it's um, just been a bad bit of circumstances uh, that keep you know keep our guys kind of bouncing off each other at some point. And I know it's uh, you know it's tough for Justin because that's two weeks in a row, Phoenix and this this weekend in Atlanta where he's got the bad end of the deal between you know contact with with our with our race cars and he's dealt with that in the past when he's you know he's like man i'm trying to you know trying to be a good teammate and i just keep ending up getting getting fenced but um i think that this reconfiguration in atlanta is actually going to be a pretty incredible racetrack and when we see repaves usually in this sport what ends up happening is the cars run right on the bottom of the racetrack. You do not want to get outside of that bottom groove, and it takes a long, long time. It's a single you – know, when they repaved Michigan, it was a one-groove track. And if you got anywhere out of that, I mean, it was treacherous just passing somebody. The lap cars didn't want to move off that line. So when you caught them, it took some effort and thought how to get around them without mm-hmm. slowing yourself down and lose, costing yourself position. It was treacherous, man. And it was like that for several trips to that racetrack before it finally started getting a little bit wider. Atlanta is already comfortably too wide. Atlanta is already a track where you can run high, you can run low, and it's a repave. It just got repaved, and it's already gotten nice and wide. There's plenty of room. Uh, there is a 
there's a lot of so the problem with the junior motorsports cars i didn't realize this so i'm watching the race and i'm like well why why won't our guys move forward how come they can't move forward are they not you know the 48 parker clingerman down there working his guts out trying to make something happen let's get down there and do that try to help him see what we can do but the balance on our cars what I, what i would find out afterwards is our cars didn't handle well and the balance of the cars was not comfortable enough for them to be able to be aggressive and so it's not a racetrack where they're pinned on the mat wide open just driving around with tons of grip so it's got it's it's you know the cars are uncomfortable they're harder they're hard to drive there but they can run two and three wide as that track continues to age year after year race after race it is going to get better and better and better and i promise you that this will be maybe it is not today as far as being a it's not a popular racetrack among the drivers minds you know if you went and polled all the drivers and got their honest opinion about it they'd probably say yeah i prefer not to you know i prefer a little different maybe i wish they wouldn't have reconfigured it i wish they would have just repaved the old atlanta um i wish we could have the old surface back they're going to have all kinds of opinions but they probably wouldn't say what it is now is at the top of their list but i believe that in the in the next four or five years as this thing continues to evolve and, can, and they, they start having to lift a little bit and they're sliding around a little more and they're a little off throttle, they're going to really start to like this track. Mm. And so I'm, I'm holding, I mean, I didn't, the first time they go back there um, last year, man, it, I, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Um, I don't want to go to any, I don't know any driver and I'm, I'm certainly one of them that doesn't want to go to a repave. Nobody wants to go to a freshly paved track and race. It's just not, it's just too much grip and it's single file and it's one groove. But it's already opening up and turning into a racetrack where handling matters and you as a driver can make a difference, right? If you have if you do the right things. Look at Eric Jones there on the last lap of that race. Right. And God. the moves he made. Was yeah. that something? Yeah. It's fascinating. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think that that track is going to start to deliver more and more great, great racing product as we move forward. Yeah, And I think, you know, Justin... Uh, that was a lot of frustration over just two terrible weeks where he's been put in a bad situation, nothing of his own doing, you know. So, uh, but I, I, I really think that I wanted. I was watching that race, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, we're right on the cusp of this. It's not there yet, but this track is going to be fantastic once that surface gets a little more age on it. Um, they're running from the apron to the wall, and once it starts to get some age and they start to have to lift more balance is already a problem when they really really need to get those cars handling better and start having some off throttle man it's gonna be pretty fascinating to watch the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sunday, Joey Logano goes on and breaks Chevrolet's four-race win streak. That was fascinating, watching the moves Joey made at the end of the race. Joey and Brad, two of the best, you know, I would say... Uh, super speedway racers uh, watching them to go at it and trying to make moves and fend off moves was a lot of fun great ending to that race uh, Joey no surprise to see him 
go to victory lane at a, at a place like Atlanta or Talladega or Daytona. Corey LaJoy finishes fourth, career best finish for him. He almost won at Atlanta last year. Remember the late block on, yeah, yeah uh, him and Chase Elliott. So, I mean, he's that's a track where I think that he's gaining more and more confidence. Wouldn't be surprised to see him go back there and get a win. He just needed a little more track position late in that race to be able to do that. Um, and they're now 14th in points. Um, I'm getting some serious Furniture Row vibes here mm. from this team. Yeah. So Corey has been driving um, for Spire for several years now. But this offseason, Spire has been working really, really hard. We've had them here in the studio discuss their, 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 their model, their business model. We understand a lot about what they were doing over the last several years, but they have positioned themselves this offseason to make that choice to finally take that program up several notches. They invested more money in engines, in resources. They're still not where a Joe Gibbs Racing is or a Hendrick Motorsports, but they have gotten, they've made a personal effort to get closer, right? And if they, by making that effort, that personal effort to spend this more money, spend this spend spend more money to 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 run faster, they have to finish higher, right? That's the way their business model works. They're going to spend this much, and they expect Corey to go out there and get this result, at least this result. And so, they put they put some trust, I think, in Corey this year. To go out there and say, hey, man, we're going to spend some more money. That means we're going to need to run instead of 25th. We need you to run 15th, 20th. We need top 20s instead of top 25s for this business model of ours to work out. And so it's really, really fascinating. I think it's something that everyone can get behind. Yeah. Um, It's kind of, you know, it's took them a long time to be able to get into this position. And I'm serious, man. It's like, it's just like Furniture Row. You could see Spire competing for wins in less than a year or two. They could sneak out a win at Atlanta or somewhere like that this year. But I'm saying when we go to the, the mile and a half and the short tracks and, and these other racetracks, um, you might start seeing that seven car up front more with, with more regularity. Hey, can I ask you real quick about Corey? You know, you've always struck me uh, as being able to notice drivers that get more out of their car and finish better than what they should be, right? Obviously, Corey now is in is is in that boat, right? Like he's he's finishing better with a car that should not. Is that fair to say? Well, you know, I think that Corey is a great race car driver, hungry, smart, makes make his his risk assessment and 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 being able. To, so his risk assessment's really really good, and I think that's why he's able to take that that car you know, ran fourth this past weekend. I think a lot. I think there's several drivers that would have been able to get that type of result in this car, but Corey does it more regularly. Okay. He, so if it's a 10th place car, Corey can run fifth or fourth with it. Now, when it was a 30th place car, he wasn't asked to try to run 20th or 15th. He was just asked to try to finish 25th finish, or 30th, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? get it to the end. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked, though, is because I'm curious – Everybody sits there and talks. The narrative in the past several weeks is we would love to see Corey actually in good equipment. Even I was listening to Jeff Gluck's 12 Question podcast this past week, and these are the questions that he gets asked. Like, what would you be, what do you think you would love most about being with a, you know, an A list team? 
and as uncomfortable as that would be for Corey to answer that, being that he's not with an A-list team and he's with Spire and he's uh, yeah. and, and they're doing they're overachieving. I'm wondering if his stock is going up in the eyes of owners like yourself. You're you're an owner, not in the Cup Series, but you're an owner. And if people are actually good, seeing what Corey's doing as in a legitimate um, top choice for a replacement uh, or to, to fill in seats, like yeah. is is he raising his stock that much to actually be one of the top choices? To, to fill a top tier seat, I think that dry, I think the industry has felt that way about Corey for years, and that the public, you know, public perception of Corey has has now starting to match that. Okay, and so you know when I watched Corey race in the in the K and N series and make you know his his few ARCA starts, it was amazing to see what he was able to do against the other teams he was racing with, and. You also knew not only was Corey doing great things on the track driving the car, but he was also responsible for how good that car was because he was one of the people working on it, putting it together, right? Preparing the car during the week. He could prepare a car, take it to the racetrack, and that would be a fast race car that anyone would run well in, but he would make he would be able to take it to the next level. And so that's one of the things that's fascinating for me about Corey is there's there's some drivers that don't know anything about the car, couldn't point out, you know, couldn't tell you what the upper A arm is versus the lower A arm. They couldn't pull them off a shelf, right? Go over there and get me a, an upper A arm. They might bring you back the the rear lower. You know, you know, I would probably be one of those people, right, with this next gen car. But Corey knows the race car, mm. right? He's around it. He's underneath it. He's worked on them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's is involved in working on the next gen car um you know at some point they sort of you know don't want the drivers really doing that type of work but i mean expire who knows what kind of responsibilities he has um he's one of the few guys i guess in the garage that that's, that's mechanically minded you know has a little bit of engineering understanding and knows how to make a race car go fast and what the car needs to be doing um with geometry and all those things. And so now not all of that translate to the next-gen car. Not all the things that he's learned in a late model, in a in car, in an ARCA car, has, is, is going to continue to be useful information. But um, he's just he's just sharp, man. And and with a blue-collar mentality, it yeah. sounds like. You know, he just – he has that instinct yeah. to be able to, to – to, to, be one with his car yeah. and know it just instinctually. Yeah. And while, you know, while I think that if he had the chance to go and, and drive, say for, you know, Rick, for Hendrick in the nine car, when, you know, when yeah. Chase gets hurt, if he gets a chance to go in there, yes, he would probably go in there and do really great things. But then what happens to Spire during that process, oh. right? Who drives that car and how, how does that affect their investment they made this off season now you know, and and does that sort of derail this this very difficult, cherished momentum they have, right? Yeah, it de- definitely disrupts it. It certainly would. And then when Corey has to get out of the nine car and Chase comes back, Corey goes back to the seven, and maybe the seven's not where it would be had he been driving it consistently week in and week out, right? And now that momentum that they've created, uh, you know, is 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 somewhat disrupted. Then their business model doesn't work. They're not able to run 15th to 20th. Now they're back to 23rd, 25th. They're losing 
you know, they're losing on that business model week in and week out. And they, they may, you know, that may force them to have to make adjustments they don't want to make, right? That's that's the worry, I guess, about, you know, Corey leaving that team. They are, I mean, I told him, I sat down with him a year ago, two years ago. And I said, uh, we was in his motorhome and I, he said, he's like, man, you know, I, I am so lucky to have this opportunity. I really, I really am. It's just frustrating sometimes, uh, but I I know I'm lucky to be here. And I said, you just need to hang on to that. You you may one day be sitting in this seven car and thinking that you are exactly where you need to be. Your this ride is exactly what you wanted every you know your dream to be. This car this car could develop into that type of car that performs every single week. And if you leave or would leave prematurely. The next person that gets in there gets to enjoy that success. And you're going to go, wow, look at that seven car I used to drive up there in the top five. Yeah. Um, you don't want to make that mistake. Yeah. You know, uh, so. So enjoy it and focus on the positive. As hard right. as it was for him and everyone, right, Spire, all the people, all the people that own that company, everybody to grind through those years of having to go to the racetrack, knowing that, you know, a top, 20 was going to be an excellent day. Um, he is finally starting to situate, you know, situate himself into into in, into a car that he thinks can go run in the top 15, the top 10, a top five at Atlanta. They're heading in the right direction without a doubt, and hopefully they able to they're able to continue that progression and you know in another year or two years continue to take that team up the ladder uh, to be able to compete with the big dogs. Kevin Harvick's going to run the number 29 at North Wilsboro in the All-Star Race. That was some good news this week. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Stuart Hoffs Racing is doing a really good job on this video series for Kevin this year to celebrate his uh, final season. Um, I was asked to do some some work with that. It's been fun to watch. Uh, it's been fun to celebrate and highlight Kevin this year, and he's going to be doing some cool things, uh, one of them being driving that number 29, that iconic paint scheme that he Ran in Atlanta when he relieved my father uh, and won his first race for Richard Childers at the cup level. Uh, I guess Richard Childers had to maybe give a blessing, if you will, for them to, to, to run this scheme, or I'm sure Kevin took it over there and said, hey, I want to do this. Oh, that looks great. Let's do it. Uh, awesome for Stuart Hoffs Racing to allow that flexibility. His partners, as, you know, everyone has to check off on this uh, number change. Uh, it's not an easy thing. So um, bravo to everybody who supported this. Uh, to make this a reality, I'm sure Kevin's going to enjoy it. I can't wait. We had trucks testing at North Wilsboro on Monday. I think there's a cup test today. Um, I called Zane Smith yesterday. He said the track's awesome. He said the tire wear is insane. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is Oh, cool. yeah. I guess uh, Car Car uh, Carson Hosevar said it's like three seconds to fall off. Wow! So love that. Yeah, it's um, it's a wore out old racetrack, and hopefully we can hang on to that surface just a few more years. Whatever the future is for North Wilsboro Speedway, hopefully that surface that they have right now is a part of it. All right, Andrew, you want to do some uh, Ash Junior presented by Xfinity? Let's do it. We are live 
on this Tuesday fresh. Junior, Dale, you ready to go? Yeah, let's get it, man. Let's do it. Justin Combs has the first question. He says, what happens inside the hauler when NASCAR calls you in for something? What's the discussion like? Does it feel like going to the principal's office? Well, it depends on who's going to be handling the discussion. But uh, when I was racing, it was usually Mike Helton. And one time uh, we got called into the hauler and we go up into the lounge and we're sitting there waiting on Mike to come out of the um, booth. And so when he walked into the door, I started talking <laughs> like, hey, man, you, you know, we, yeah, I started pleading my case. And he said, you guys are going to keep your mouth shut. So I'm going to do the talking. And that's kind of the way it might usually go. Um, but there has been times when I've been in that holler uh, for a conversation uh with the door bumper clear (laughs) where it was great conversation it was like hey man we're you know we're a podcast we're gonna sensationalize we're gonna talk junk we're gonna be controversial none of this is intentional to piss you off or 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 be you know be annoying to nascar or anybody that works in the industry um, this, this is doors, this, you know, that's kind of just the show biz of the sport, right? The entertainment side of it. Um, uh, and so we had a great conversation where, you know, it was, uh, it was helpful for everybody involved, I think. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's times when I've been in that hauler and, and it's a, you know, you get, you get a chance to kind of tell your side of things. Uh, but then there's other times when you're you're completely in the wrong, and they're like, "Look, you're you're completely in the wrong. Just keep your mouth shut, and we're going to tell you what the what the deal is, and that's what the deal is." You know, they'll tell you sometimes like this board will, was here before you came. It'll be here before it'll be here when you're gone. You're just a you're just a blip <laughs> in the radar. You're just a you know you're just a part of the process. So just enjoy it, or you know, we're going to find somebody who will come in here and act right. Man, so. I think I think my heart would sink. Just getting that message like, hey, you've been called to the hall. Like, who calls you to the hauler? That is right, Andrew. So when you do get that message, whether you're still in the car racing or, you know, it's after the race, when they say, hey, man, you they want you to come over to the hauler, <laughs> you don't – it's a very nauseous sort of feeling. You're not, you're not like, oh, hell yeah, you know, let's go to the hauler. Can't wait to tell them what I think. You, you know then that you're instantly regretting whatever it is that's getting you called to the hauler for. Go listen to DBC. Josh Williams gives some uh, insights Pretty into what good. happened in that hauler. He got to sit in there for like 150 laps. 140, yeah. Yeah, yeah 140 laps. Yeah. It is pretty hilarious uh, to hear him talk about it. So that's on this week's podcast. That was funny. Uh, this next question coming from Brian. Uh, what was the most creative code word that you guys use for pit stops? You know, we hear, listen on team radios all the time. Yeah, we never did. Never um, did. No. The code words kind of came in right right around the time when I was retiring. You know, we I would say we were pushing back on that a little bit, or at least I was, and my crew chiefs at the time were were not on board with code words. And it was like, man, let's not do anything that's going to confuse us or get us, you know, I don't need to, you know, look up on a thing. Okay, what's that mean? Um, you know, have a, have, a, have a cheat card up there. Uh, I was just like, look, just tell – me just tell me what we need to do it was almost like to like 
who are we if we think that we we are so important that we need a special code for being able to put two tires on the car instead of four? <laughs> I mean, who who's really listening going, oh, they're doing two, everybody change, you know? Like, we weren't never really running good enough to feel <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the last year in 2017, we kind of were, you know, mid-pack, had, some, had, had a couple good runs, but it was kind of like this thing of like, you know, it was almost a, I almost felt like it was like a pompous thing to do. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some codes, man, so nobody knows what's going on with me. Um, now it's, uh, now it's kind of necessary, right? Because, because everybody, there's, there is this ability to literally listen to everything everybody says. And so, sure, I mean, in those moments when it's, um, when it's critical strategy, that could, you know, do things that, you know, give you an advantage. A code word would probably be very helpful. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of just starting to come around right when I was easing on out of the sport. From there I, won't I, be any code words in my Xfinity starts this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I heard from uh, Dalton, our new social media coordinator, that uh, you may have gotten a secret message when Washington won the game on Sunday. What? I, he that wasn't true? that cryptic about that either. No, they he would just would, say, by God, ask about the dang – he'd ask yeah. about who's who winning the game. Yeah. You're in a red flag. He wasn't – I wish he would have been code wording. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like everybody's listening, and then now we're going to hear Dale ain't got his head in the game. Yeah. Better win the race or they're going to be like, yep, he was focused on football. <laughs> we he, really we really only talk – and this is, the, this is the damn truth. I mean, I know everybody makes a big deal out of getting getting football scores during the races. That really only happened at Talladega. It did. Literally, ah. there were like two races at Talladega, and that would have been the only place where I would have been felt comfortable enough to say, hey, yeah, um, yeah, we're coming for four tires. Great. Um, what's going on with Washington, TJ? <laughs> inside, inside. Yeah. Touchdown, by the way. You're yeah. up by two scores. Uh, all right, and you're inside. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, I wouldn't, it was a red flag. Yeah. It wasn't even under caution. Okay. Yeah. We would never – I would never have felt – like that would have been appropriate at any yeah. other race, and it happened a couple times at, at Talladega, and we we talk we brag about it like it was a regular thing. But that's good. Yeah. That's good. Your mind was in the right place yeah. during during most races. Uh, this next one coming from Doug uh, <laughs> during most races. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, Andrew. With a slight, well, slight you said jab. Talladega. <laughs> hey, you said Talladega. You're like, well, the only place I asked, so it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't all the races. <laughs> Damn, Mike. Um, <laughs> this next question coming from Doug. How is learning guitar coming along? Have you have you given it any Not, more thought? Nope. <laughs> nope. I downloaded this app, tuned the guitar, and haven't touched it since. Okay, so you do have a guitar. I do have one, and I do have it tuned. I bought that little guitar, buddy, and I just you know I just got to sit down. I mean, I've been on this world tour of vacations, um, <laughs> so that's kind of been. Think, making things difficult, but I'm st- finally going to be home for a little while, and hopefully this week I got a lot of things to get to. But yeah, you, I got a lot of things to do. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of it's those. It's loud, which is you know, I I mean I've heard someone play the guitar before, and I've strummed the guitar, but for whatever reason now that there's two kids in the house, and I'm I strum the guitar, and I'm like, wow, I got to go somewhere. I can't be doing this in the house, right, <laughs> with uh with the girls around. But um, it's just super loud, right? So you pick it up, though. Oh, yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I bet Jimmy Johnson has already learned how to play guitar. <laughs> I, bet Jimmy, I bet Jimmy Johnson already knows three or four songs. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson's like uh, Santana over there. 
this last one, uh, a couple. You'll have people... to listen to the rest of the <laughs> show to get that joke. joke. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Listen yeah. to the show. Uh, yeah. A couple of people have asked, um, "Have you added any new cars to the race car graveyard? And do you have any that you're eyeing?" No. Um, that's the, that's the thing. I don't believe that we have a next gen. Mm. Uh, so any oh. next gen would be cool, but I mean, literally, um, you know, the, the center sections, it's, it's all bolt on the front clip bolts on the rear clip bolts on. So I doubt if ever, are they getting rid of, uh, the center section of the car? It ain't like, you know, never, you're never going to have somebody walk up and go, Man, we crashed our next gen. Here it right, is. Right. Yeah. Especially now, they right. need all the cars they can get. They're gonna put the yeah. They're gonna fix the front clip or back clip, and it's you know they're gonna race it again. Um, so I doubt that I'll ever get one of those. And even if you did, you'd only get like the center section that looks nothing like a race car, right? You're not you know you're gonna say to somebody, yeah, over there lays the the next gen, and it's just roll bars, <laughs> um, no no body parts or nothing, right? So um, I don't know. I, I We'll see. We'll see. I haven't, I haven't gotten a new one in a while, and I think that people in the industry have sort of moved on or forgotten that we were doing that because <laughs> we were getting calls on the regular, and then when I retired, it kind of started fading off a little bit. But it, yeah. Well, this will get this, it right back this, into the. Yeah, uh, this could be the way to get it back. Yeah, if you got. I mean, there's been a couple people that have called. Um, Maya Snyder called me after the Daytona crash last year, where he flipped that truck or that car down the back straight away. Yeah. Um, there's been two or three calls. It's usually, um, oh, Austin Sendrick called me this year about putting a car in. Uh, but they had already, uh, I think, it, I can't remember exactly what the wreck was, but and it wasn't a next-gen car. might have been something from last year, but he wanted to put the car in. And usually the driver, hey, he'll say, hey, I want to donate a car, and I want to come and do some social media around it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it's been happening here lately. So we still get a call or two. Yeah, if you yeah. get a next gen car, teams are gonna be like, if they're short on parts, they're like, let's go Dale's that, see if there's anything back? there. <laughs> yeah, can we get that back? Um, all right, that's uh, that's that's all the time we have yeah. for Ash Junior this week. All right, man, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks to uh, Xfinity for supporting our show and everything they do in NASCAR Xfinity 10G network. Super fast 10G, nothing's faster. Anyways. If you uh, want to get faster internet or even faster speeds rolling out every day, go to 10G Network with Xfinity. I'm a customer, and it is amazing. Um, keep sending your questions for Ask Junior to Xfinity Racing on Twitter. These questions this year have been really good, so keep that up. Andrew's doing an awesome job. You guys out there are doing an awesome job. Thanks for, thanks for everything y'all do to support Uh, The Dale Jr. Download and everything we do at Dirty Mo Media, we're working really hard for everybody this year to try to put out a lot of great content. All right, everybody, if you remember, we put out a children's book last year, Buster's Trip to Victory Lane. I have been signing these things and hearing about all the people that are enjoying them, all the kids that love Buster's Trip to Victory Lane. We're very proud of it. Um, well, Buster gets back on track. Literally, the second edition of the Buster series is coming to you trackside, and it's available for pre-order today. You can go to Amazon, all the sites where you might pre-order books. Um, It is releasing in September, and it features an entertaining off-road adventure story. Buster takes on a new track. He meets new friends. It's going to teach kids how to process their emotions and calm down when they're feeling overwhelmed. You know how our kids can get 
riled up. And uh, this book kind of helps him learn how to manage those emotions and, and, and find success and help others too, man. I really uh, have enjoyed uh, helping create the storylines in these books. Um, Buster is a uh, Buster's a very important character to me, you know. So Dad's nickname was Buster when he was a little boy. Uh, the car itself is designed after a dirt car that my dad drove in the 70s, owned by my grandfather, Robert G. Uh, there's a lot of cool characters inside the book that have a connection to my own personal experiences. Um, so anyways, the second installment of Buster coming to you soon. Go ahead and pre-order. Buster gets back on track. All right, everybody, we're going to close the show out. It's been a good one. Tyler Gray's Race Rewrap from Atlanta. It comes out every week on Dirty Mo Media's social channels, so be sure to check that out. Hope you guys enjoyed today. Ricky Stenhouse is our guest tomorrow in studio. Can't wait to talk to Ricky. And then make sure you tune in again Thursday for whatever the hell we call that show. We'll see you. Players play, it's cold as hell and it's time to race Drop down in the seat, gonna be a long day Round baby Dega, take it away Whole front row is nothing but ovals Eight out of ten, they hot like Scoville Hot like a Porsche bowl, hot like a affordable Gator, I don't know what rhymes with Scoville Joey winning stage one And Syndra taking stage two And Penske thinking it's done But Harvick says that ain't true Way out in front, but that's not ideal Ross blew a kiss, there goes at the field Barry and Billy and Chris among others Taking all the damage they just couldn't heal Lamarola out in front of the pack Young money is hot in his tracks Car number ten is hauling the cash Until a blue shell went straight up his BK and Tupé, a couple of vets Ducking and dodging and stalling the rest Battling hard, but no need to stress They prove you can race without causing wrecks All of them boys be drafted Shuffling and passing Logano came off the top row P450 smashed him Crossing the line and Joe got the dub Credit assist to well with the shove Can't forget Corey gotta show him love For taking them pennies and stacking them up At a baby CL, A4 Love to see it Next stop, victory lane, my guy, let's get it Dirty Mo, Tyler Gray, re-wrap Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.